0: Cover 2 Podcast and on the radio in Nashville, uh, just down the row from us, uh, 1-2-5 the game. Braden, how are you? Enjoying SEC media days?
1: Oh, I'm enjoying the food in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, there, there you go. That is for sure. Good barbecue, good pizza, all kinds of good stuff down here.
0: What are the good stories?
1: Uh, you know, I've been with you now, Josh, doing this for I don't know how many years now, and... I have changed because I just didn't feel any buzz at all on, on Monday when I got in here into the hotel. Obviously, today's Alabama day, so there's still tons of fans as as there are as they're kind of tracking what looks like Coach Saban and his players out the door here. Um, there just hasn't been a whole lot of buzz. I think we I think the media and the fans have realized that the coaches don't really say anything. You know, Coach Pruitt yesterday with a very savvy. You know, play playbook there. Twenty-one minutes of speaking, so that I only have to take <laughs> eight minutes of questions. Jimbo Fisher has the opposite approach, right? I'm going to do a three-minute speech and then just let all of you do all my work for me. And um, so I just there hasn't been a lot of buzz, but the same thing that's happened to me over the last 15 years coming to this event is just I, I just crave the access to a player to get to know who they are. Daniel Batuli, you know, like how many people outside of Knoxville, outside of covering Tennessee, know his backstory and That he speaks three languages and all this stuff about this, you know, fairly shy but impressive young man, and you know, like very few people outside of Knoxville or outside of the people that cover Tennessee football are going to know that story. And that's where you get to learn these stories. Andrew Thomas grew up in a family band, basically, and you know, with you know, plays four instruments. Like you know, these guys are such impressive young people that totally blow the stereotypes out of the water. And and so that again is once again my takeaway is hey, we actually got to talk to the players (laughs) because coaches sure as heck aren't going to let us talk to them during the regular season.
2: Braden, let me jump in here because I I totally echo what you're saying and I read uh, your tweet about that. Uh, yesterday, but it, especially in uh, Daniel Batulli's case, this is a guy you could probably sit down for for an hour and it would fly by because how does a kid grow up in the Congo, not have a ton of football experience, end up on a college campus in East Tennessee and not have an amazing story <laughs> to tell?
1: Well, and right, and just cultural differences are interesting, right? Like I just, I, they're, they're, they're an interesting part of American life and society. and all these kids come from so many different places and whether they got here through junior college routes or, you know, transferring or from the north or from the south or from the west, like like locker rooms are these sacred places where young people kind of find their best friends and become the adults they're going to become. And, like, we don't ever get to see any of that. And this is the only time of year where you actually get to see that. And, you know, Derek Mason at Vanderbilt's a little bit easier on access. You, you can talk to players at Vandy if you want to. They'll, you know, living in Nashville, I can go get access to them. And and people in Knoxville, I'm sure, have more access to the individual players than people in Baton Rouge. You know, like Meh. the local. <laughs> you
2: might be surprised. I, I hear you. I hear you.
1: <laughs> Trust me. I, I understand. But again, like the, these stories aren't going to be told. If and and I talked to the commissioner Greg Sankey about it yesterday, and he's like, he's like, I go, are you going to give us more op- like top down initiative to get open open practices? You know, player availability. I know it's not. You know, there's a balance between student athlete and and you know work and play there. You got to maintain the studies, but at the same time, and he kind of he kind of hedged his bet. He was like, "No, we we're not going to put any top-down initiatives in place or force them to do anything, but we would like to encourage them, you know, to do more things with the players. To make, you know, we're, we're encouraging them to have it grow organically. I guess was the way he put it, um, which is sort of a a cop-out answer by the commissioner to not say we're going to force them to do anything. For example, there are nine quarterbacks here. That's not an accident."
2: I was, was going to ask you about that's that. That's yeah. not
1: an accident. There, there was some strong urging from the commissioner's office to schools to say, people want to hear from the people who are the, are the big stars. Bring your quarterbacks. Now, they didn't make them do it from what I'm told, but the reason Jared Garantano and Jake Bentley, like the reason all these guys are here and the other conferences didn't do it is because I, what I've been told is the SEC strongly urged all of the teams to bring quarterbacks, which is what the people want to talk they, That's who the people want to talk to.
0: Yeah, which is a good move. And, and by the way, we'll get to the end of tomorrow and everything will have been just fine for those guys. And, I, and overall, I think they right. will have enjoyed it. I think Jared Garantano uh, appreciates the chance to represent Tennessee because helping Tennessee win really means a lot to him. Braden Gall is with us, Athlon Sports, Cover 2 podcast. And uh, uh, Garantano being here yesterday, w- what do you think about where he is now at this point in his career and, and what he might be capable of? doing this year and what is an interesting race among quarterbacks
1: I, I, I am not a counting stats guy just in general i don't like counting stats in any sport in football that's yards and touchdowns right like that's i, I like efficiency numbers at the quarterback position i like yards per attempt completion percentage you know third down conversion rate uh, red zone efficiency you know how, how good are you in play action And you start quarterback rating, like all those things measure your efficiency. And you look at the quarterbacks that Jared Garitano was better than last year in the SEC, and, like, his numbers were better than Kellen Mons. His numbers were better than Jake Bentley's in some categories, better than a lot of these different guys. But then you look at the counting numbers and you go, oh, 12 touchdowns. That's not that. But his numbers were efficiency-wise. They're on par with, with like, Justin Herbert at Oregon, who's a, you know. So I think the talent's all there. I think he was miscast as a dual threat, and I think he's overcome that. He's going to be great in Jim Cheney's system because he can – sit in the pocket, go through rhythm, and when he plants and throws, it looks like an NFL throw, right? Like, he, it's, on, it's accurate, it's on time, it's in rhythm, it's where it needs to be. The problem is, is you don't have a lot of time last year to do that because of the offensive line. So I think Pruitt made it very clear that one of the only differences I took from Pruitt talking yesterday was, you know, there was a lot of downplaying last year about everything. And he wasn't sure what he had, and well, we're not going to be that good. And I think this year there's clearly, like, we've got a quarterback, here's our guy. His name is Jared Garantano. Go talk to him. He's very articulate and a fun kid to talk to. So, that that you know, reading between the 21-minute lines there, I think that's one of my big takeaways. Was he's clearly got a guy. He's more confident in his team, uh, and I think I think I saw that on the field from Jared Garantano last year. I'm excited to see what he can do this year. I think he's just as good as. Anybody else in the middle of the pack outside of the top you know, two guys in the SEC, which are Fromm and Tua.
2: Hey, one other thing that he seems confident in, Braden, and I don't know if you if you heard these comments. It comes from a, a one-on-one interview that Jimmy Himes had with Coach Pruitt, but much more confident in the offensive line, despite the possibility of playing uh, two freshman starters at some point this season. On that line, he says, hey, listen, uh, I'm, I think they're absolutely going to be better this year and when Jimmy followed up and asked why he said because they've got experience now uh how do you see the offensive line and and what do you make of coach Pruitt's comments
1: well I I think I think the I think there's hope and you can let yourself if you're a Tennessee fan you can let yourself run wild a little bit with the chance of the offense like if if those two freshmen are capable of holding up which is a lot to ask of true freshmen it just is at that position. Um, it takes Normally you've got to develop into into that group. and You're going against great defensive fronts almost every single week. Even South Carolina's got a great defensive front this year. Um, I, I think you can let yourself run wild with what the offense could look like if the offensive line is just a little bit better because you like all the other things, right? You like, you like all the other stuff. You like the quarterback. You like the tight ends. You like the running backs. You like the receivers. None of them are like first-round draft picks, but they're all really good college players, good athletes, veterans. Almost all of them are upperclassmen. So if there's just even like 20% better offensive line play, you can see the offense taking a major step forward. Jim Chaney going to simplify things, give more control to Jarrett Garetano, of course. So all that's very, very interesting. And, and all of it stems from Jeremy Pruitt being less Jeremy Pruitt, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, he seems
2: like he's less. He really yeah, it, does.
1: Well, at least that that was his intention in the offseason, right? Mm-hmm. With who he hired and how he hired people, his his – you can tell that his goal was to be less meddlesome. Like, he realized his own weakness and said, you know what? I need to let the offense be the offense. I need to let the defense. I'm not going to call the defense. I need to let that be that. I need Chris Winkie to develop this guy. I, need, you know, I can focus on being the CEO and doing all the other things that go on with being a CEO. I can recruit like crazy because I'm the best recruiter on this staff, although now T. Martin's there. Um, and I, So I think it's clear that his goal was to be like so, – so he, you guys know this. He is a – like he, he believes he is the best coach on the planet, and that's that's a good trait to have most of the time. You know, I my wife tells me all the time that I need I want like I want to fix stuff, right? Like I see that's stuff that's wrong, and my wife's like, "Dude, you don't have to fix everything. Do less, do less." And I think that's what Jeremy Pruitt was telling himself all off season, like, "Do less, do less." So it's clear that was his motive this off season with who he hired and how he put his team together. The question is, is you know, when the offense goes four four straight three and outs in the first quarter and they have to punt, is he going to meddle in the offense? That remains to be seen. When the defense gives up 35 to, to Georgia or 40 to Georgia and they lose and he doesn't like, does he, does he meddle in the defense? Like it, it, It's easier said than done. So
0: Yeah, they don't play games in March or July. We talk about them right. now and then we'll find yeah. out what happens on the field. So before you go, and we'll talk to you before the actual start of the season so this can be subject to change, what does Tennessee do this year? You mean them just straight-up record-wise? Yeah, record-wise, what we're saying about the end of the season for Tennessee, do you have an idea of that right now? Well,
1: I, like just sort of in in generalities, because like you said, this will all change. I'm, Kentu- I've gr- I'm growing on Kentucky a little bit. Kentucky has gotten stronger in my mind looking at their depth chart and their, their culture and who their, their pieces are. I still wonder about Terry Wilson, but they've got a really good offensive line. They've got an easier schedule than most everybody else. Uh, South Carolina's got the toughest schedule, but I like their makeup. Great quarter uh, – not great quarterback. Potentially good quarterback, good defensive front. Um, you know, Vandy, I think, is probably last. But that's – those are all the games that we don't know. It's, it's those five and then it's those four, Missouri and then Mississippi State. How does Tennessee play in those? Because I'm going to give them three losses to the, to the big three that they're playing with Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. I'm going to give them four wins in the non-conference. So you're four and three. What are those other five games look like? And, you know – you lose on the road to kentucky you beat mississippi state at home you beat south carolina you beat vandy at home you lose to missouri there you go you're you're seven to five and you're and you're in a bowl game and you've shown progress so that's probably where i would go um a lot of it also hinges on what jeremy pruitt personally does with the defensive front that needs to be his baby where he can be hands-on and truly impact the outcome of the game is that front seven that's completely reworked and you know, we don't know what it's going to look like, especially on the defensive line.
0: Yeah, and then what do you do on signing day? Signing day one and two. Right. That will right. be a big factor for the future of Tennessee as that well. I'm not,
1: that I don't know. I wouldn't be worried about that. Like, that part yeah. I'm not worried about. With the staff he's put together, Niedermeyer, Martin and himself. Well, well if they go 7-5 or better, then,
0: yeah, don't don't worry. They'll be Yeah, but if, if they're
2: <laughs> right. having to make up some groundwork from maybe some missed opportunities this season, that could get a little hairy.
1: That, that's true. Uh, what's inter- Let me ask you guys this, because we had this huge debate on my show yesterday, and that is, you know, you got to beat Vandy. You got to beat Vandy, my co-host. You got to beat Vandy. You got to beat Vandy. I'm like, if you're eight and three, and you've beaten Will Muschamp for the first time, and you've pulled an upset somewhere else, and you lose to Vandy, it's gonna suck. It's gonna hurt. But I, i I'm, wouldn't Tennessee fans? If I told you right now you're gonna be eight and four, but you're gonna lose to Vandy, would you take it? Heather's not gonna take it, right? No,
2: no, I can't. Yeah. I, I could be your co-host. Eight and four. Yeah. <laughs> fifteen
1: <laughs> years, and it's not ten years of garbage. It's fifteen years. We had there was one people, people over. People overvalue the last five the former regime as well. It's not just been 10 years of like this weirdness. It's been 15. and yeah. you're telling me you wouldn't take eight and four, huh?
2: Well I just eight, can't do
0: it.: right. eight, eight and four with or without a loss to Vandy, Which one's better? To Tennessee fans, probably the the one without a loss to Vandy, Well, of right? course, right. Yeah. I mean, so like, I, th- I say you don't take it, and then you just hope to be 7-4 and four going to the Vanderbilt game and take your <laughs> shot yeah, at it. Yeah. And then if you take lose, then you got a big-time problem. Well, I was going to say,
1: because <laughs> then again, if you're 5-6 going into that game and you lose, deep trouble. You know, you're 6-5 going into that game, you feel a little bit better, but if you lose 6-6 six and six with a loss to Vandy, it doesn't feel good. You know, it's all about how you get to your record, right? Sure. How do you look? Are yeah, you there cool? are a number of scenarios There's to get there. Every, not every 7-5 and five is created equally, not every 6-6, six and six, not every 8-4. and four. So if you had wins over Will Muschamp, wins over Mississippi State, win over Missouri, teams that you've struggled with, and you lose to Vandy, I, I don't know. I, I step back and try to see the whole picture and say 8-4 and four is major progress, no matter how you get there.
0: Yeah, we're a few weeks away from your reason. Just throw it out the window. College football season is can't almost wait here. for that. Uh, check out the Cover 2 podcast. Download and subscribe. He's on the radio, 102.5 The Game. And uh, Athlon Sports preview magazines are out. Get them before the season gets here. Still beach time for people to oh, read yeah. those magazines. Hey, uh, Braden, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, great to be with you guys.